News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Well, good morning on this Sunday. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Shaq, along with Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers. He's here to answer, of course, all of your questions about gardening and plants and bugs. We're going to talk bugs a little bit later on. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want any of your questions answered, uh, anything plants, ask Rick. He's your guy. You can call or text at one 332 8255 So let's start off right away, Rick, because, um, I mean, everything's in the ground now, pretty much. You know, you've got all your vegetables planted. You've got your shrubs and all that. Now it's just a case of watching it grow, but there's also maintenance involved uh, besides the obvious of watering. Yep. And now with this heat that we're getting too, how is this heat and also some of the big rains that we're getting, how is that affecting the plants? Great. Well, welcome, Shaq. Thank you. Welcome to the <laughs> this show. This is my first time doing garden talk. <laughs> welcome I love to it. the show. It's awesome. <laughs> so, hey, listen, you know, the, the heat is is uh, the concern right now with right across Saskatchewan. I mean, I'm getting emails and and pictures and phone calls and everybody's asking me, okay, my tomatoes, the, the leaves are curling. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's the deal with that? Why are my leaves curling? Is there a problem that way? And usually when the leaves curl in your tomatoes, that's two things. One, it could be from, if it's a really tight curl, it could be herbicide damage. Okay. Some drift from some 2,4-D or something like that. But mm-hmm. mainly they just cup about halfway and that usually will cup upwards as well. And that usually has heat stress. Okay. Or stress of some sort. Now, it could be from uh, two things. One is too much water, mm-hmm. but it also will cup like that from not enough water. And so what has you, what you have to do is basically uh, you want a green thumb, but you want a brown index finger. Okay. <laughs> what does that <laughs> so mean? <laughs> stick your index finger as far right to the far big knuckle right. into the ground. If you feel moisture, you don't need to water it. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's dry then you, or it feels fairly dry, then you can give it some water. And that's really easy to do. And, and what happens is that the worst thing, for, especially for vegetables, uh, whether you be from, uh, uh, from tomatoes or peppers or cucumbers and that, is to go wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Okay. That we will get things we call blossom end rot, which is that brown end on the tomato. I was tomato. just going to ask that. Right? Um, like, same with our, our herbs. Yep. We all of a sudden, some of them are look great. Like I say, yep. our mojito mint yes. is, is beautiful on top. And then around the base, you have all this, these brown leaves. Brown leaves or yellow leaves and that. And that usually caused from, from obviously the heat, but also from incon- what we call inconsistent water. Okay. So that's the key part. It is hard. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard this time of the year. To find that balance find because that you, balance. you just don't know what kind of weather you're getting. Especially if you, you go to, you water in the morning, you go to, then you go to work. And mm-hmm. by the time you come home, I mean, then you want to water around, you know, when, as soon as you get home, you want to get out there. Everybody wants to, oh, I don't want to go outside. It's too hot this yeah, time of the day. Right. But you want to get out there and check those plants then because you don't want to be watering when, when it's starting to get dark out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. what happens then your moisture is going to sit on top of the leaves, especially pumpkins, cucumbers, squash, those kind of things and once you let water sit on the leaves even your grass is bad for it all night long uh, then you're going to get uh, powdery mildews and fungals and those kind of things okay so basically just just water big trees you think that Shaq, you think of all these big trees we look out over top of the saskatchewan river here right mm-hmm. now we see all these giant trees and you'll see a lot of trees that are stressed like the the ash trees out here they they don't have very many leaves on it like they normally have some of the poplars have a lot of dead branches on that kind of stuff and so what you want to do is you want to make sure those plants, because we've gone through a couple of years of drought, right? they, they need more water than just what you're putting on your grass. 
Okay. Okay. That's not enough. So you need to go to the drip line of the tree, which is not at the trunk, right? But it's the outer end of the branches, and uh, and then what you need to do is you need to put a soaker hose upside down, or you can just put move the hose around as a dribble and just let it soak. So it's not running down the gutter, but soaking down. And you only need to do that once a month. Okay. If okay. you give it a good soak, I'm talking down deep. What okay. about what about those? Uh, you can get those uh, hard hoses that you just yeah. well, right down to the root ball. Or is that for it, mainly no, new trees? It's called the Ross root feeder, and okay. so you can hook your garden hose and just water with it, or you can put fertilizer in it. Those are awesome yeah. for doing a lot of your your trees and those kind of things because you can get the water down so it's not running out the gutter, and you can just move it around a bunch of times at the drip line of the tree as much as you can because we got so much. Sometimes we have concrete driveways or mm-hmm. half the trees in the neighbor yard <laughs> or whatever. So <laughs> so you just water the as much as you can. Okay. And like I said, you don't need to do it every day. If you give it a deep watering, it's once a month, even in this drought, and then it'll make a huge difference for those trees. You've noticed the spruce trees with all their acorns on, mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot of brown had the, the pollen pods on them. Yes. And so that's because of last year of the stress. And so you don't want to go through too many years of that kind of stress. It's not great for the trees. Okay. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We have Les is uh, on the line right now and uh from coming and Pink Rosalia. He's got a question about that. Uh, Les, go ahead. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Beautiful, sunny, hot day. <laughs> a little cloudy in Saskatoon right now. <laughs> oh, well, we're clear and hotter than a firecracker. <laughs> um, I had phoned you, Rick, about a pink rosalia a while back. I believe it was later in May. Yep. And uh, we had repotted it. It was blooming beautiful, but uh, it had just started losing the flowers. And I don't know what happened. It just, all of a sudden, it lost all its flowers, which it, the plant still looked healthy. And now it it's lost pretty well every leaf. I've got two little sprigs that are still alive on the plant, yep. and they're green, but... I don't know. Does it go through a dormancy or something that it? Not not, not that much of a dormancy. It oh. does go through a bit, like it dropped the flowers, but not other leaves. Okay. Okay. So what you need to do is that. Um, what size of pot is it in? Uh, about an eight-inch pot. Eight-inch pot. Yes. What you can do, is, if you want, is that I would suggest is that just carefully, because it's probably how long has it been in that pot for? Uh, about a month and a half. That that's all. So it hasn't been that in the pot that long yet. No. Okay, so what's... And we used uh, miracle Grow soil when we yep. repotted it back in the end of May. Yep. So the only thing is, I would I would say is that I don't want to take it out of the pot because it's not going to be rooted that well yet, okay? Okay. And th- that's always a problem, also, when you, when you uh, for new plantings, it won't do well until the roots get out to the, out to the outer edge of the pot, okay? Okay. So what I suggest you do is, if it's that bad, did you, did you move it into a, into a, into a brighter light or not direct sunlight but brighter light or is no it it only gets a little bit of the morning sun on our deck and then it's shaded all afternoon shaded all that's okay but as long as just get about a couple hours of direct sunlight oh yes okay that that's perfect you know what i would try on it there's a product called rage plus rage plus it's made by a company in out of winnipeg and it's uh, called Dirt and Grow Company. If okay. you get it, you might look at a garden center because not every you know store has it. And okay. um, so, it, but with this stuff here, is this like a? Um, 
is like a red bull for us. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it's a pick me up. it's a pick it's a pick me up. You'll see it only has zero zero one or something like that, but it's not very much. Try that and then that should help to get the roots going again because the the problem is happening at the roots. Okay. Okay. And also on the leaves that are left, look for spider mite. You need a magnifying glass. I never thought of spider mites. So look for those two things. Les, thank you, okay. ver- thank you very much for your call. Les, we're up against the clock here, but uh, thank you so much for your call today. Thank you. All right, it is uh, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME, Garden Talk with Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers. We're going to have more of your text and your calls coming up in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Shaq along with uh, Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers answering all of your questions plant related. Uh, we're going to talk bugs in just a couple of seconds here. So get your uh, text in or your phone calls at 1 332 8255. We've got lots of texts rolling in this morning, Rick. So we're going to get to uh, one of them right now. Uh, this relates to bugs, okay. ants to be yes. more specific. Yes. And everybody's talking about why do we have so much, uh, so many ants. Now, um, this is Grace from Regina. She says that she's asking borax slash sugar for ants on the lawn. Is yep. that kind of old school? or is Old school, but it still works. Still works, okay. It, they take the borax, the sugars to attract the ants. The borax is because what happens is that that'll, it'll, that's what they'll feed on, and basically that's what will kill the colony, okay? Mm-hmm. And so because they bring it back to the colony, that's what's, that's what's good about it, is that they take it back, not just feed on right there and just die. It actually takes it back and affects the colony. So, no, that works great. Uh, another product you can use that works really well is called uh, Ant Out. Okay. And what this is, is, it's a nematode. It's another little bug. So what you have to do is water your lawn really well. These little little round spheres that you can buy that has little bugs in them mm-hmm. uh, has does about 1,000 square feet. And you've got to soak your lawn first because, you know, the ants colonies down deep, probably around 12 inches or so, maybe yeah. sometimes more. Mm-hmm. And so you need to soak it down because the nematodes need to go through moist soil. They can't go through dry soil. So you just got to soak the area well, apply the, the nematodes, water it again. The nematodes will go down and seek and destroy. They'll find where the eggs are. They don't attack the adults. Oh, okay. They only go after the eggs. And so what happens is that then once they get into the eggs, then they burrow into the egg and they eat the, the egg, the ant from inside the egg. And then they just start reproducing and then they just keep going. And then all of a sudden the queen says, um, okay, there's something going on here mm-hmm. and moves the colony. But a lot of times they bring eggs with them. Ah, uh-huh. and they, and, they have and the nematodes. The nematodes are with them. And then obviously then you have, it just keep just basically destroys the, the, the colony. And this is something that is readily available at any, yeah, you, uh, can, you can pretty much get it at garden centers. They even have some of the chain stores. You can get it around all over the place. So, uh, and it, it is organic. You don't have to worry about if you're an organic grower. Perfect. This is just a, a, a natural, uh, insect that goes after the ants and so perfect and once once the ants are gone the nematode will basically die out because it has that's what it feeds on it's a specific to ants okay there's another one for grubs and sod webworms and that kind of stuff that's it that's called grub out and that's another <laughs> nematode a different variety of nematode that goes after just those grubs wow so it has to have the certain type of food in order to survive interesting all right so let's go to the phones here yep. we've got uh, paul from saskatoon uh paul has a question about seeds uh from peppers go ahead paul Morning. Good morning. Morning. Paul. I don't know if you can hear the thunder, but yeah, it, we see lightning all over. We see lightning. <laughs> Thankfully, boy, this is going to be nice. I, I hope without a tornado. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Rick, I've been um, growing peppers for like oh, 
12 years now. Yep. And heirloom, I've been taking seeds every year yep. from the plants, mm-hmm. from the fruit. Now, I've been looking at the best, the best plants, right? You want the strongest, the sturdiest. The... When should I take that fruit? Like, okay, I'm going to talk about like a, 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 Hungar- a sweet Hungarian. They're yep. green. Yep. Should I wait until that fruit gets red? Yeah, take it when it's ripe. Like normally, we want to, that. That's how nature works, right? The seed. Yeah. The, if you if you didn't pick and, and eat it, right, it would sit. Yeah. It would sit on the vine, okay. And then what happened? And then it would it would basically fall off the vine, and then dry up. The fruit would dry up, and then the seed would sit into the ground, and then regrow, right? Yeah. So if you want to leave it as long as you can, and if you take it early, you can just lay out the seeds as long as the the fruit is mature. You can lay out the seeds and just dry them. And then yeah. store them and plant them again. Okay. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yep. Now, when it comes to like a, a yellow pepper or an orange, like I do all the, the, the peppers too, the yep. bell peppers, should I, because they all turn red in the end. Yes. <laughs> you know, an orange pepper turns red in the yep. end. Should I wait until that turns red? Like, uh, you don't need to. You don't need to. As long, as long as it's ripe enough to eat, right? Okay. Then the, the seeds will have matured enough that you can still use them as your, as your seed source. Oh, okay. Okay. Just but you have to dry them out and then store them at you know at, a, at a, you know for yourself. You want to store them at a good temperature. That's why I like storing them in the fridge a lot of times because then it puts them through that what I call a stratification where they get a cool temperature to grow the next year. Okay. So then I I dry them out. Then I put them in the fridge. Then you put them in the fridge. Yeah. See, I've just been winging it. You know, all these years. <laughs> I, I you know, I always tell gardeners there there's no wrong answer. If you've had success, don't change it, Paul. <laughs> don't change it. Keep doing what you're doing if, you, if you've been doing it. And, and it's true because uh, there's so many different ways to do it. Uh, there's ways that, you know, the, the industry does it or the big seed growers do it, but they do that because they're doing massive amounts. But a lot of times little, little things that you do is perfect, and it, if it works, just keep doing it. Okay, so lay them on uh, loose leaf and put them on top of the fridge. Absolutely. That's what I've been doing. There you go. <laughs> Paul, thank you thanks, so much thanks, for, your, uh, for your call Have this morning. Take care. One. All right, let's go to uh, Maureen from Saskatoon. She's got a cherry tree that's half dead, and her crabapple tree leaves are dropping off. Uh, is that the situation, uh, Maureen? Oh, good morning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I like that expression, winging it. I'm <laughs> winging it all the time. <laughs> and I call you often. <laughs> and I stop at Dutch growers and I ask lots of questions. That's perfect. <laughs> anyway, I talked to you last year about my Juliet cherry tree, which uh, we planted in 2015. And just wonderful. The first year we had six cherries. And I keep track in my binder, and, and by 17, I had 12 cups. I, I think I made four pies or something. Perfect. But last year, the one branch was um, uh, pretty much dead. I talked to you on the phone, and we left it till this year to see if anything would happen with it. And, and nothing did happen with that one branch. Okay. It was dead. Yep. So we did cut it off, and I decided to let all the saplings come up, and we were going to make our tree into a bush yep okay so this year it still had i mean it's 10 feet high so it still did have some branches um up high yep. now it it bloomed as usual and and the leaves came out beautifully 
And then part of the tree, the leaves shriveled up and died. The rest, I've, so I, I do have cherries yep. on the rest of the tree. So we have the one limb that I've left because I'm nicking down and it's still green. It's yep. still alive. Okay. Now, have so you what? noticed any oozing of the sap out of the main trunk? No. Okay. Cause that, no, I, I that, will double check. Yeah, I will double, double check. check that because they they can get a virus, and if they get the virus where you see the sap oozing out of the trunk of the tree, mm-hmm. then you need to cut that piece out, okay? Oh. And 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 leave the suckers coming up. But it's a virus, and there's no cure for it, okay? And it will well, basically once it happens, it'll kill the branch of wherever it's weeping out. And the branch oh. will die above that. Oh. Okay. Okay. So that's the biggest one with cherries, but that oh. you need to check that one, and, and if that's the case, you, you should cut it out as soon as possible. Sterilize your pruners after every cut, okay? okay. And okay. then and just destroy it. Don't put it in the compost. Get it out of the yard. Okay. Okay, and even those dead branches, don't leave a dead branch on, on the tree at all, for very long at all. Cut it out oh. and then get it out of the yard. Okay. Ma- okay. Maureen, thank you thank so you much, much for oh. your call this morning. And oh, oh, oh I have one other question. Oh, oh, well, okay, we're, we're tell put, you what, we're then. Put you we'll put you on hold. And we're gonna go, we have to go to the, the news break. Here. And then we'll go take our break, and uh, we'll get you back right back on, Maureen. Um, it's uh, 928, and yes, 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. It is Garden Talk. We also want to talk more about bugs, because uh, my wife... She loves to garden, yep. but she won't walk near her garden box if there's slugs. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about some Dutch elm disease, um, birds eating berries, lots of texts coming in right now, too. So we'll get to that in just a bit. Garden Talk, 980 CJME and 650 CKOM with Rick Van Dyvendyke. We will be back right after the news. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME, along with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. I'm Shaq, uh, filling in as guest host this morning and learning a whole lot about plants. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, we just had a boomer storm up in Saskatoon. We've heard around the province lots, that there's... Lots of lightning in the yeah, background here. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't turn into anything, but we'll keep you up to date on that. The moisture be great. Yes, we need moisture. It's always nice to have in the humidity, too. Yep. you got to love that humidity. All right, so we were talking to... Uh, Maureen before the break about her cherry tree, which is half dead. Uh, but now, uh, Maureen, you want to talk a little bit about your uh, crabapple tree. What's going on there? Hello? Hello. Hello. Yes, Hi. are you there, oh, Maureen? I thought I lost you nope. there. No, no, we got you. So your crabapple okay. tree. Yeah, we have the spring snow. It's beautiful. Yes. It's uh, eight years old, yep. and it's uh, the best tree ever. Um, it's dropping a lot of leaves, yellow leaves. Okay. If, if, uh, we we have applied the copper spray, uh, I believe, twice this year, and yeah. I believe my husband used the ambush on it once because we had some sort of little little bug on it. But yeah. that's all. But is is that over water or underwater? It could be either either one. You'll get the same <laughs> symptoms. So oh. what you need to do is take that little piece of re, uh, three foot piece of rebar, right? Yeah, we have, and stick yeah. it in the ground around the drip line of the tree. Right. Okay. And not you know, and then see what the moisture's like about you know eight to twelve inches down the ground. Yeah, okay? I've done that, and it's good. If it's moisture's good, if it's wet, you know, then poke holes around and aerate. Okay. If it's oh. if if it's dry, okay, then then give it then give it some more water. Obviously, right? Yeah. yeah right. So your your okay. rebar should be able to poke. If it doesn't poke into the ground very easy, then it's too dry. Okay. Okay. If it okay. pokes down. Just nicely, then it's usually right. If it goes down, like right down to the to to the, you can't almost see the rebar. You lose know? it in the dirt. It loses in the dirt. Then you know you're too wet. 
Yeah. Okay. No. But the ri- one thing I like about rebar, it has the ribs on it, and when you put it up, it brings a sample of the dirt with it, and then yeah, you can we then we you can tell. Rebar. Yeah, we use the rebar. So, so if you're yellow at this mm-hmm. time of the year, most times it's too dry. Okay. Mm-hmm. And most times it's too dry, and we're getting tons of calls, especially for newly planted plants. Uh, mm-hmm. that we're getting tons of calls about that and, uh, their leaves are turning yellow. And, but I, like I say, don't just, don't water something because the leaves are wilting or because the leaves are turning yellow. Probe the soil and see what it is and then rectify the problem whether it's too wet or too dry. And did you say to aerate around the... If, if you find that it's too wet, put some oxygen holes into the soil. So take your okay. rebar and just poke some holes, give the rebar a bit of a wiggle, and okay. then you'll, and then pull it out, and then you'll put some oxygen into the soil, and your plants will do really well. Just like aerating your lawn, right? It's no different. You're doing that to break up compaction and to get more oxygen into the soil. Yeah, I've actually done that uh, with some of my hanging baskets. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. All okay. right. Oh, Maureen, okay, thanks, Rick. thank welcome. you very much, Maureen, for your call this morning. Thank you. Bye. All right. Now let's go to uh, John from McLean. And uh, we haven't had many up around Saskatoon because I think it's been so wet, but he's got a bit of a grasshopper issue. Oh, uh, yeah. John, go ahead. What's going on at the grasshoppers? Uh, got too many of them. Hard, anyway. <laughs> and wondering what you can use to... Uh, Thin them down a bit. Well, thin them down. If you have them around your garden, you can use things like you know, like your pyrethrin, your ambush, and those kind of things. So it's called Bug X now, pyrethrin. Okay. Um, but you can use that. You can spray them. It's a contact, okay, but it has a bit of residual to it. There's also if if, uh, if you get near some farm service centers or you go to things like places like Early's Farm and Garden Center in Saskatoon, they have some some the that's called Eco Brand. I believe you can still get it, but you. You may have to be a farmer or have an applicator's license for it. It's a brand that you can put around, and the, actually the, the grasshoppers eat it. Yeah, then, well, okay, that that wouldn't probably work in the garden. I, yeah, I can no. see that out in the No, I use it around the grass, pr- I use it in the perimeter, in the grass around the garden. Yeah. Don't put it right uh, in the garden. Also, we have uh, animals like horses in the yard. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. know if they'd... Yeah, no, what you can do then is the best thing to do is, like I said, using the pyrethrin. Okay. And just spray that around the perimeter. And uh, if it's in the garden, you can also use the garden. But you also, whenever you use anything like that, read the instructions. Yeah. Okay, because it'll tell you on different vegetables so many days before harvest you can use it. Yeah, well, like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, have, there's no, like, the raspberries have... They've bloomed and everything. There, yep. there's none on yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then, then it's fine to use. Okay. And, and the thing is, like, I don't know. I've never, I, like, I, they didn't do anything like that last year. I've, I've seen, like, now the I've got some potatoes beside the raspberry patch, and they're starting to eat the leaves on the potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if it's all the potatoes, you can. The only thing you have to watch for, in when you're going to spray, I would suggest uh, doing your spray in the evening. Okay, yeah. because don't forget your potatoes probably have some flowers on right now, right? Yeah. So if you spray during the day, you're going to affect the bees, and you don't want to do that. Oh. Okay. okay. And so you're going to do it in the evening when the bees have gone to sleep. Yeah. Okay, because the grasshoppers are still there. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going away. Okay, and I was going to tell you about your uh, one of your uh, so-called potato bug uh, yeah myth uh, of putting. Ma- uh, um, a piece any of match in uh, yeah oh the yeah. match yes yeah, <laughs> yeah that, yeah. that uh, I, I'm convinced that doesn't work no yeah <laughs> this, this, the only thing we would work with is sulfur but uh, I like this uh, I like the the sliced onion in with the potato that works even better 
really? Yeah. Better than, well, I wouldn't have to do very much to beat the match part. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I was going to ask you, though, like, if you had sulfur, like, would a, uh, like, uh, would, like, a, I don't know, a teaspoonful of sulfur in each, hole, each yep. hill, would that do it? Well, just sprinkle it on the top of the soil, yeah, or, or in the soil, not right on top of the plant, on top of the tuber, though, when you plant it. Oh, okay. Okay, but just... Yeah, to, just around it, right, and right. Uh, and then th- that's that's the only thing that would work on that part with the matchsticks is the sulfur, okay? Right, yeah. And I've I've never tried it myself to see what it worked, but I've heard say, well, tales like, of I was that it does work. Maybe but, we should have thrown the whole pack into the whole, into but, each hill. Like I said, uh, the one that's come over and over for years and years and years is the sliced onion that's yeah. worked. That's the one that the callers have called in and said they've they've used it and they don't get the the the, the potato beetles anymore. What kind of onion do you use? Is it like a like just, Spanish onion, just, purple just onion? Doesn't just a, matter. Just a yellow on piece okay. of yellow onion. Okay. That's what they were and, using. And like how big of a like I mean, if just, you're going to do a slice, like if just a, like I'm I'm talking like, a good oh, slice. Just a good slice, not the yeah, whole onion. I, just I, a good I, slice. Uh, and I'm talking about like 400 hills of potatoes. Oh yeah, this lot. That's a lot, lot of onions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're probably not going to do that. No, no, not so that many. So what about the marigold trick? The marigolds that that tends to work for a lot of different bugs. Okay, it also draws more more uh, bees to your garden as well. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of bugs do not like marigolds at all. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how? Uh, like, what do you have? Like, this, like, how many marigolds would you have to have to? Well, do any- about about every third row, you'd plant a row of of marigolds. Oh yeah. Okay, so so for you know, so that's not so bad, and you can put some especially around the perimeter, right? Yeah. And then but the biggest thing you got to do for your potatoes is that you you got four hundred potatoes, hills <laughs> of potatoes. The biggest thing you you have to worry about is rotating your crop, not planting in the same spot every year. Yeah. Right? That's if you keep planting 400 in the same spot, you're going to get other problems like uh, potato scab and other no, types of fungals, right? Never have had. Okay, you're lucky. So, but uh, but that's the biggest issue for I would say that big of a of a patch of because even even McCain's McCain's even like use different fields every year. Yeah. yeah. What's that? Sorry. I don't water them. You don't want them. Other yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. There's a lot of lot of, lot of the uh, the big potato farmers. They don't water to get it from the sky, but well, but they yeah. also rotate the crops into different farm fields every year. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, thank you very much, John, okay. for your call okay. this morning. Hopefully that uh, we helped you out on that. Yep. Okay. It is uh, nine forty four, and uh, we are here with Garden Talk with uh, Rick Van Dyvendijk of Dutch Growers. It's six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. We're going to talk all kinds of bugs and slugs and uh, Dutch elm even coming up, and also something about uh, um, like basil and all the different uh, herbs and that type of thing as well. That's coming up next. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Shaq along with Rick Van Dyvendijk of Dutch Growers. Before we dive into some more questions, Rick, let's talk a little bit about the weather. The weather, the wind just came by. It oh. sounded like, sound like a jet going, jet liner going right by the studio. Here. Almost like a plow wind of some sort. So yep. uh, right now we've just checked the radar and uh, through Saskatoon we've got a, a pretty good lightning storm going yep. on right now and the rain is coming down fairly heavy. And again, like you mentioned, Rick, the uh, wind, is, the wind is coming up 
quite a bit too. So just be careful out there. We'll keep kind of updated on what's going on. Uh, so far, the rest of the province, from what we've been hearing, we had a fellow from coming, yep. and he was saying that, oh, it's clear sky down here, like sunshine and hot. So this looks like this mostly in, from what I looked at the radar, mostly in the Saskatoon and South area for this one, and then the next one coming through is going to be more North Battleford and yeah. and up Metal Lake and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it looks like. Oh, you know, I, I love, oh, there's a big, there's a big lightning there's, crack. There's a lot of light show going on out there so, right now. Yes. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, the rain is good. I mean, if we get some rain, they just get the plants a little bit of reprieve, especially for those ones in the parks and along the riverbank here, because uh, this heat has been, Hot. Yeah, it's very, any very rain hot. is perfect. Welcome. Exactly. And if the if there's any power outages or anything, Jeremy, take them take some texts and we'll uh, we'll get that out too. Uh, just in case with this lightning, you never know what's <laughs> going to happen. Hey, all right. Let's go back to the text line here on Garden Talk. And good morning. My basil and oregano are starting to go to seed. Should yep. I be cutting off the seed pods to get better leaf growth? This is from Barry from Kindersley. Yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah, okay. if you want to, and and just remember, keep harvesting all that. You know the stuff, and by just harvesting, it'll produce more growth. So yeah, you can definitely take the seed pods off. All right, uh, another one from this is from uh, uh, Johanna in uh, Estevan. Good morning. Can you please describe how to properly prune a Roma tomato plant? Okay, so Roma, a lot of the Roma um, uh, tomato plants, like you got to remember, it, they'll they'll grow, and you want to keep they'll keep growing taller and taller, and some of them will be more of a bush type, and you want to keep them more of a bush type. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so in tomatoes, we all talk about determinate and indeterminate. Determinate means that they're going to be more of a bush type. Okay. The bush types, you don't need to do much pruning at all. Okay, so but the ones that are more vine type that just keep growing, 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 mm-hmm. and you got to actually tie them to a trellis. So right. In the in the in the greenhouses that grow lots of them, they actually have wires going up and they keep attaching them. And then once they get to the height that you want, and now you start doing your pruning, and you take the especially when they grow up and they grow a little side branch off, you can start pruning those off, and then that way you'll start getting more fruit. Okay. Now Roma tomatoes are obviously a lot different than like a hothouse yeah. or anything like yeah. that because they've got less seeds. Less seeds. Do yeah. they need more water, or do they need Same because amount. they have so much flesh? Just consistent watering, honestly, okay. uh, Shaq, is that what you want to do with them? And, I, and also what you can do is any tomatoes and peppers especially, you want to use a fertilizer because you're always fertilizing them as well if mm-hmm. you want them. Use a fertilizer with a calcium in it, okay? Uh, that's huge, and that'll help stop, it won't totally stop uh, blossom end, right? Because blossom end rot comes from mostly inconsistent watering. Okay. But it makes the plant healthier so they can resist those kind of things. Okay. And calcium is the big one. So whether you're using bone meal when you're planting, you can that helps a lot. Right. But right now, if you want to use an alfalfa pellet tea, uh, that works great. We mix the alfalfa pellets in water and you pour that around there. There's lots of great calcium. In, and there's lots of fertilizers now out for tomatoes that are organic type of fertilizers that they have kelp in it, let's say. And ah. kelp is a great, uh, calcium, uh, supplement for the, for the, for the vegetables. Right. And so you'll have a way better tasting fruit and everything else if you get all those micronutrients in balance in your garden. Okay. Uh, let's go to, uh, Marley and Estevan as well. My cotton Easters yep. in, uh, in the middle, uh, in the middle, they're turning yellow with green ends are fine. Oh, hold on a second. Ends are fine. Yep. What's happening? So the middle is, is yellow. The ends are, are fine. What's okay. happening? So if the, if the in middle is yellow, you probably have a couple things. One is is scale. You'll mm-hmm. see these white or gray scales on the main on the on the stems of this contoniaster. They're sucking the needles and especially on the inside. Okay. So watch for those. Another one you watch for is mealy bug. Mm-hmm. Okay, or aphids. 
There's another one, two things, and they all see these light little white, white fuzzy things uh, on the branches as well. So you probably have an insect problem. Okay. If you would have another problem that Cotone asters have, or cotton easters, people call <laughs> I them. I was okay? just going to say, you, you know that I'm not very versed in the names of these plants because it's fine. this is the second one that if, I've pronounced if, wrong. If you, if you look at the word, it says cotton easter, <laughs> it does, right? That's what it, it does. Like. <laughs> yeah, right? So, uh, but anyways, other than that, it, they do get fire blight. But fire blight, you would notice soon after the flowering time, you would notice the leaves kind of witching down, hanging down, and then they turn a brown, fiery, almost a, a rusty brown color. Mm-hmm. And then you know you have fire blight and you got to trim that out. But it's the yellow leaves on the inside, you probably have an insect on them and you can take care of them. Wait, if the scale, you wait till they're in the crawling stage where they're almost fuzzy, because when they're hard, you can't touch them. Okay. okay? When they get to the fuzzy stage, you can spray them with with pyrethrin, malathion, whatever you have, soap and water, anything you have in the house will kill them. Okay. Okay. Uh, before we get to our next call here, we'll do that after the top of the hour. Uh, I, I do have, and this is my wife, right from my wife's mouth. She says, ask Rick, what do we do about slugs? Now, this is what we've heard. And I'll tell you what, I've done everything because she loves to garden. Yep. But when those little slimy critters come out, and especially in the lettuce, it, she won't even eat the lettuce. So I've done everything from stripping electrical uh, wire yep. and wrapping that co- or that <laughs> copper wire, stapling it around the garden box. I've done every- beer, beer, you know, everything, getting oh, them drunk. And you wasted a good beer. Oh, and I wasted a beer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do about slugs, Rick? Well, you know, probably the most organic way to do it is you got to have a date night okay and you take your headlight flashlights out there (laughs) and you take a pail and you put some rubber gloves on okay and you have to get her get her past the ebgbs you know yeah how do you (laughs) do that you go and pick (laughs) you go and pick all the slugs because they're out there but yeah slugs is uh probably the best one to use is just a slug bait they have slug baits out now that that are safe for your pets and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. used to, a long time ago, the, the slug baits were not good for pets, but now that's all gone. Now they don't make those anymore, and so they're and so that's probably the best one to do it. But otherwise, honestly, getting out with the flashlight at nighttime and and picking them is probably one of the one of the best ways of doing it. I mean, you can't do the little cottage cheese container buried in the ground with you know your good beer in there, but uh, <laughs> but take a couple swigs before you yeah, pour it in. Yeah, that's great. Just maybe some old beer you got laying around somewhere. So. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the honestly is the slugs is is a tough one. Um, and and what I do is I even lay a piece of plywood down. Okay. And then put some slug bait underneath that, just a little strip of plywood, because they'll go underneath there. They'll love that hiding away from the sun and that kind of stuff, especially this kind of heat. Mm-hmm. And they'll be attracted to that, and then they'll munch on the, on the bait, and then they're finished. So then... Um when when they're scurrying around, yep. ooh, I've just had the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. Uh, but when they're scurrying, they leave that trail of slime. Does, does that hurt the plant no, or anything no, at all? That's no, just no, it's uh, just them eating eating on the leaves is the big hurt, you know. Okay. Especially if you have got even hostas and per- some perennials, they just you know, the slugs. You'll see all these holes in them, and the slugs love them. So, but honestly, just going out nighttime and picking them and then destroy it. Throw them in a bag and destroy them and get rid of them. Okay. But uh, the organic way of doing it. But otherwise, the slug, like I said, the slug baits work very well mm-hmm. and, and they're safe now. And uh, and they do slugs go more so to vegetables or are they... Uh, anything that they like. It depends on the texture of the leaf. Okay. Okay, just like they love hostas because it, it doesn't have these fuzzy parts of leaves. You notice if any leaves that are really fuzzy, 
Oh, the question, we're getting, <laughs> we we're getting, getting nailed a downpour right now. now. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're if, you, a downpour. if you needed it, your garden watered right now, <laughs> don't worry it, about turning on watered. the hose. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, the slugs, basically, uh, it's a tough one. So if you keep on top of it and keep them from reproducing, that's the big one. Okay. And uh, just keep picking them or putting the slug bait out. I'll, I'll try to get my wife out there for a date. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'll go for it. This just, is gar- just hold her hand. <laughs> <laughs> Give her a big, long tweezers. Uh, it's well, uh, welcome to Garden. Talk. It's uh, 650 CKOM and 980 CJME along with Rick Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. And we'll talk more. We got Dutch elm disease. We're going to chat about apples. Uh, I've got another question about my beets and my cucumbers. Listen to that. You can hear well, it. It's raining hard. It. It's crazy. <laughs> Garden Talk coming up next. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Shaq along with Rick Van Dyvendijk of Dutch Growers to answer all of your questions. And Rick, first question, is this too much rain that we're nope. getting right now in Saskatoon? Ne- never, right? never too much rain, especially this kind of heat. Yeah, so. in, in uh, Saskatoon right yeah. now, it is pouring out. And uh, a lot of the other province uh, right now uh, is... Is parts of the province are nice and exactly. hot and sunny. So. Well, if you, Jack, if you, everybody's wondering where Jill is today, she is in Ohio today, mm-hmm. and she is at a greenhouse big uh, short course, and she okay. took some of the staff out there, and so never stop learning. That's what I always tell my kids, just like me. I'm just always learning, even from our callers. We learn all kinds of things. And so never stop learning, and that's what she's doing. She's at, for till Wednesday, she's at a course just... And the, some of the staff are there just learning more about growing plants. Nice, nice. Uh, let's get to uh, some more of the questions of the. Let's go right to this is uh, Evelyn. She was on hold, but uh, she just left the question for us. Evelyn from Battleford. Potatoes have grown tall. Should I prune them? Yep. If they're growing really tall, just give, give them a bit of a nip. You'll see that center little branch coming out in the middle or some of the side branches coming out that want to grow out to the side, especially on the vine type of tomatoes. Give them a pinch now because you want them to start really producing fruit. Now we're getting into the, you know, past the middle of July. You want them to not keep growing up forever. You want them to start producing the fruit. She, uh, uh, now, is this a the typo, uh, Jeremy? She said actually potatoes. Oh, potatoes. Oh, potatoes. Just leave the potatoes. Okay. They're fine. Yeah. You don't now, need to pr- prune them back. When I, uh, what, uh, my grandfather used to grow a lot of potatoes. Okay. And he used to always stomp down the plant like halfway through this growing season. Yeah, you, was that a, was that a thing? Like, was that? I mean, later on you can, you can do that, but I, I like, Basically, things grow by producing photosynthesis and light coming in through the branches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we even even uh, people will step on their onions, right, to right. get them to grow bigger. And so that's you're just trying to stop the top and you're trying to get it to force the bottom. But I, when I stop them over, I'm not cutting them off. I'm just sort of giving them a okay. little bend. Right, like put a, a kink in the hose. Gotcha. <laughs> that's, right? a, that's a great way to put so, it. Like putting a kink in the hose. But yeah, but otherwise, potatoes, no, you don't need it. You don't need to stomp them down or anything else. Leave them. They're fine. Um, uh, we, I grew potatoes, like a lot of potatoes in our yard, like when I was a kid, especially, um, we never did anything. Just like this, this other fellow that phoned just a little while ago had 400 heads, mm-hmm. uh, 400. He doesn't go out there. The McCain's doesn't go out there and do 80 uh, or a couple thousand acres. They don't go out there and stomp them all <laughs> That would be either. hell of a party. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a stomping party. Stomping party. So yeah, you don't need to do that. All right, let's go to, well, look at this. Larry from Vancouver, he says, I listen to your show every Sunday morning. Oh, Thank welcome, you very Larry. much, Larry. Yes. Um, he says, I'm originally from Saskatoon. He says, my friends tried to tell me that worms create soil from their excrements, not fertilize, but create soil. Is this true? 
And uh, okay, well, let's get to that. He's got a two-parter here. Well, they'll, they'll, what they do is they go down and they, when they eat the, when they go down and burrow down and eat the soil, it it basically makes that soil just all the organic things that are in the the, the microbiology, all the little bacteria's, mm-hmm. basically turn all that that soil into all this bacteria's, which it basically uh, feed on the bacterias and then make more nutrients available to the plant. Okay. Just like when you buy worm castings, it's just full of bacteriums and everything else. And so it makes the plant so it can take up the food better. Mm-hmm. And so that's what worms do. I mean, unless you get a ton of worms, like you hear do worms, you know, people get a whole bunch of worms in the lawn. It actually dries the lawn out. You oh. get so many of them, okay. you know. But otherwise, the ones earthworms that you see mostly in your garden, that they're actually good for your garden. Okay. Uh, his second part of his question is, um, I also have a small red maple and over the last couple of years, uh, this, in the summer, the tips would go brown. Yep. Uh, how, uh, how do I fix this? Basically, just heat stress. Okay, so basically with them is that you just watch your moisture level in the summertime and also uh, just watch your nutrients. Um, so make sure those maples like a pH more down around 7, especially. And a lot of our soils are high pH here. So you may have to supplement a little bit of aluminum sulfate mm-hmm. or some sulfur to lower the pH to around 6.5 to 7. And then you won't get that stress on the plant. It'll make it hardier for the wintertime as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they may have that. If it's a Japanese maple, they probably have it in a pot and they bring it inside. Okay. So just watch for the main thing is the heat stress, but also our even the river water that comes out of the city of Saskatoon taps, even like Saskatoon, the pH is up around eight, anywhere from 7.8 to 8.3, which is way too high. So adding that uh-huh. little bit of uh, aluminum sulfate will help the plant be able to take up nutrients better and do won't have that stress. All right. You're listening to Garden Talk. We are going now to Brian of Saskatoon. Um, and he has something about deadheading his tomato plants. Go ahead, Brian. Ask yep. the question. Ah, uh, guys, yeah, a great show. Good, thank uh, you. Thank you. Sound like a dumb question, but you know, in your uh, yard, how your uh, flowers, like your daisies, and whatnot, as soon as the uh, flowers start to die, you deadhead them. Yep. Can you do that uh, when, if your tomato blooms start to die as well? And will you achieve the same results as you would with the flowers? Will you get well, uh, new blooms growing back in right away? You know, one thing you said, tomatoes, right? Yes. Yeah, see, but the problem is, is you deadhead, you, when your flowers are finished, that's when you start producing fruit, okay? Okay. So the only reason I would ever deadhead a, tom- a tomato is if I want to now make a, sort of thinning out, thinning out so that I get bigger, ve- bigger fruits, okay? But otherwise, okay. I would never deadhead a tomato because I want as much fruit as I can, especially if you've got, let's say, a cherry tomato or something like that. Mm. You just want as many of those little cherry tomatoes as you can. So don't yeah. deadhead them. The only thing you may want to do to... to to create more blooms is if, especially if you have, like we talked earlier, if you have one of those indeterminate vine type of tomatoes, you want to pinch the top so you stop the growth of actually the vine so that you produce more fruit down below. It's putting more energy in the fruit rather than growing the vine up. But otherwise, just leave the flowers alone. Okay, I think we uh, okay. think he's uh, he's gone now. Good. There you go. <laughs> right. uh, speaking of uh, pH and all that, I just yep. wanted to ask you a question about this. Is um, we've got a garden box, yes. and it's about I don't know, it's about six feet by six feet, yep. and we have beets and we have carrots in them. Yes, beets never seem to go very well. Like just tiny little things can't yep. get much out of them, even when we thin them out. Yep. Carrots go like great guns. Yep. Okay. What's why is one better than the Probably other? Probably the type of soil you have in your cuz usually a, a raised garden, if a raised garden yeah. bed, you usually yeah. use a lighter soil. Okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right? It's a lighter soil and beets do better if you just plant them right in straight topsoil. 
Okay. okay. So you might want to make a uh, just a little patch in your in your garden bed, which you just put regular just dirt mm-hmm. with not all the other mixture, compost, and all that kind of stuff, and you'll find your beets will do a little better there. Okay, we'll have to give that a shot. Um, we had another uh, text here. We got so many texts rolling in here, I can't keep up. But uh, we did have a text uh, with with all the rain and everything. He just wants to know how are the farmers doing now. Well, around Saskatoon, where I like till I drive into town about 30 minutes every day, the crops are looking really good. Some of the canola um, pretty much finished flowering and some are just starting to flower. But I've seen some of the other grain crops out there. They look awesome mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I think, like I said, we've had some of these rains just come at the right time. But, you know, rain is in Saskatchewan. It's, uh, you know, you might have a nice rain and talk to a farmer, you know, a couple of quarters over and he never got any. Yeah. So, very you know, localized. So it's, it's yeah. localized, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, we don't, we don't, we're not getting too many general, what we call general rains. We used to get general rains when I was a kid a lot. Yeah. You know, we used to rain for three days. Yeah. And you just, so you don't see that much anymore. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's going to be, I hear around Kindersley area, they have more drought around there where, mm-hmm. you know, you see other places, uh, even in Regina, they say they've had some nice moistures in some yeah. places. So it's, it's going to be isolated, but otherwise, the plants seem to be good to good. The, the, I'm hearing a lot of people saying they have fruit. You said you had you had lots of fruit, but the problem you were seeing to me earlier, Shaq, is that the birds, the birds are eating all my Saskatoon berries. Yeah. So, and that was the same thing with hascaps. They come out in June. Yeah. And I tell you, if the robins and the waxwings find those hascaps, or now the Saskatoons, because they especially hascaps when they're done in June, they say oh, berries in June. Yeah. You know, and that so, was so early this so year. The, all of a sudden, you just see the the bush shaking because the berries are just having a feast. I'm running out there with a broom. <laughs> Get out of my bush. So. <laughs> you'll start seeing this time of the year, and you even go to a lot of the the berry picking places. You'll see they're all netted. You okay. got to start using bird nets. Okay, all right. And you got to lower the bird net right down to the ground because otherwise those birds aren't stupid. They're going to get underneath, and sometimes they get, but they will get sometimes they'll trapped. Get stuck. Yeah. And so just right. make sure they're right down to the ground, and you might have to net your your. And that's a common thing, especially in you'll see in some of the big berry farms down in the down in the. Um, in in the Okanagan and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, or you can use things like uh, like owls with the bobblehead owl. Yeah, yeah. You can use scare tape that works really well. And now they even have these little lights that have little lasers on them, like this. <laughs> you see them on top of <laughs> wow. the McDonald's restaurants, even they're keeping the pigeons away. Is right? that right? And they just flash, and then the birds don't like that, and they don't want to come. Okay, I don't want to use the nails poking out that I might end up yeah, that's injuring myself. Injuring yourself. <laughs> This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME with Rick Van Dyke of Dutch Growers. More questions and your calls next. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME along with Rick Van Dyke of Dutch Growers. I'm Shaq as your guest host today and uh, we've been talking about some interesting <laughs> things including slugs. Rick did a whole big spiel on how to get rid of slugs and what did you say we should do? I said have a date night. A date yeah, night, yeah. yeah. And go pick get slugs. Slice. Well, my wife just texted me and she said... Don't you even think about taking me on a slug date. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I may be ruined slug. Um, I may have ruined date nights for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> Just every time you grab the flashlight, he says, no more date nights. <laughs> she said, I'll slug you all right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right. Let's, <laughs> let's go to uh, Courtney. Courtney is in uh, South Saskatoon. She says, um, I have no. Oh, now here, I'm going to have to pronounce something. Another uh, another plant. I have lily beetles that yes. are annihilating my 
Blanc de Coubert roses. Good job. Close? Blanc de Coubert, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Rose, so yes. How do I eradicate them? The Blanc de Coubert is, looks like a, looks like a, a sh- it's a shrub rose that has white flowers, okay? So okay. it's, um, uh, if there are lily beetles going on there, watch the underside of the leaves and watch for these clusters of orange berries. You can just pick them off. That's the easiest way to get rid of them and pick them off, have a little container around and just drop them in a little container or pick that, or pick that one leaf off that has the whole cluster of eggs. Okay. And just destroy it. All right. And get it in the garbage. Don't, don't just put it in the compost and that kind of stuff. Uh, but otherwise you can use a product called there again, the pyrethrin one, which disaffects the nervous system of, of them. There again, spray them in the evening. Okay. Because the, obviously they're flowering right now and that attracts bees and you don't want to use any kind of chemicals right. when you have the bees. Okay. So do it in the evening when the bees have gone to sleep and then you can spray them and then it contacts them and then it affects their nervous system. They just, they basically, do the wiggle and they die. Okay. So. Uh, let's go to uh, Dave from Saskatoon. He um, has a Saskatoon tree that he had to cut off a bunch of dead branches. To, uh, what's your question, Dave? Uh, well, I'm just wondering if there's a shelf life on the uh, uh, Saskatoon bushes or trees. Uh, yep. I've had this one for 30, 35 years, and uh, that's this is the first year I've had to do a lot of it. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of dead branches. Yeah, there's a shelf life on them. In in nature, what happens, those old branch stems die off and new suckers come up from the ground, okay, and to replace, rejuvenate. And so what you should do with that thing is, is what, do you know what variety you have? Of uh, no, I don't. Okay. So most of, most of the varieties, except for smoky, going to grow about six to eight feet tall, but most of the varieties grow around 12 feet tall, okay? And yeah, so this is shorter, probably, you know, eight, ten feet. Eight yeah. feet at the moment. Yeah, so you probably have ones called smoky. And um, so what you want to do with that one is that you want to, especially uh, starting this, this fall, you know, like basically in October when the leaves are starting to fall off, or you can do it in March or the first week of April, is you can start thinning out some of those, those bigger branches and letting the new ones fill in. Okay, and just keep doing that every year. You take some uh, one big stem out. I don't know if there's a multiple stem one, and then just let new ones fill in and, and rejuvenate. That way, you're not starting all from scratch. But you can, if you want to, you can cut it right down to like two or three feet off the ground and just let the whole thing come back. You won't have as many Saskatoons obviously in the first year or two, but it'll rejuvenate and get a lot more berries again. Oh, okay. That okay. Sounds, uh... Sounds good. I'll certainly try that. Yeah, but a major, <laughs> major, major pruning. Do it when the plant's more dormant, though. Okay. Okay. Last year, when you, uh, I had that problem with uh, a fungus, little yellow spots. Yep. I, I cleaned everything off in the fall, and I haven't had a, any trouble with that this year at all. And that's the big one to do is clean up the debris because the fungus stays in the ground. And but if you do want to protect a tree, you can also use a product called Bordeaux or a copper spray. And you spray that about three times, usually starting about after they finish flowering, and spray about three times, 10 to 14 days apart, and you won't have any problem as well. Oh, okay. Okay? Good. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave, for your call this morning. Okay. Bye. Uh, let's go to the text line and uh, up in Emma Lake area. Harry, uh, he has three Carl Forrester grasses. Yep. They were beaten down by the wind and the heavy rain the other day. He says they've partially come back, but not totally. Should they be staking or trying to tie them up somehow? Uh, they have gone from looking great to terrible. Yeah, if you want to stake them in or put a little, there's you can get by a, a peony hoop or actually it's almost like a two-piece peony hoop where you can kind of put one on each side and hold it up. There's lots of where you can put some, you know, just put some bamboo stakes and mm-hmm. some string around them, anything to hold them up, and they will sturdy up. 
unless they've actually you know snapped the the stems on the on the grass. Because what's so nice about them is when they stand up and then they turn gold in the fall yes. and they stick through the snow, it gives that great, they great show. Flow in the wind. Flow in the wind. Yeah. And then every spring you cut them back down again. So, yeah. but yeah, every once in a while we get a storm, just like we had this big wind that just threw through here about <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're going to get little damages from branches breaking on trees or the grass falling over and that kind of stuff, but we can stand them up and, and uh, usually that will just help them, you know, to sturdy up quicker than, you know, rather than do it themselves. Yeah. They're, they're, more rejuvenated. It's yep. not like they've broken off. It's nope. just that they're laying they're down. They're laying down flat, just like just like lodging grass, right? right, right. It just gets wet and lot and lodges down and sometimes you then the farmers have to use a different piece of equipment to pick them up and do Prop the Prop them back up again, yep. yes. Um, Alright, let's do this one. Uh, we've had a lot of people talking about Dutch elm disease and uh, I know down in Regina they've had to cut down a few trees yep. because of Dutch elm. I uh, haven't heard anything up here in Saskatoon. How do you know, because where I in the area of Saskatoon that I live, we have a ton yep. of elm trees. elm trees. And how do you know when one is dying well, or, has, see, or has Dutch elm disease? You'll see. The best thing to do is you can just go on to the SOS Elm. It's a Dutch elm disease website. So you can look on them and see, and you'll see pictures of what the wilt looks like. And you'll see the, the leaves actually wilting mm-hmm. and then turning a brown color as well. So you can actually see them. And uh, But, you know, if you do see them, then... Definitely get a hold of your town if you're in a town around Saskatchewan or you're in a city. They usually have somebody in the parks department or somebody in the city that will come out and help you take a look at it or they'll bring somebody in to take a look at them. Maybe you can send them some pictures. They'll want pictures sometimes first so they don't have to travel, uh, especially in small, small towns. But uh, it's it's a very serious disease, and so you want to protect you know your inventory of you think of our urban forests that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lost all your elm trees, it's huge. That's why in Saskatchewan we have a law that you cannot prune elm trees from April first until September first. That's right. Because what happens when you make a cut? It, it, it the the trees will leak a bit of sap, right? And that sap attracts the elm beetle. And so right. if, you, if you trim them then, it attracts the elm beetle, and the elm beetle will bring the fungus on the back, which is the Dutch elm disease. So um, so we want to keep the elm beetle away from our trees. That's why the cities and towns try to get around to the elms and pruning them about every seven years they try. Mm-hmm. And if they keep all the dead wood and everything out of the elm tree, it keeps different places where the elm beetle can't start reproducing or want to call home. Is that why they have that kind of a waxy thing, that ring around? No. What is that no, for? The ring you'll see in Regina, that's after the, after the canker worm. Oh. That's okay. what they're after. That's it's a, a caterpillar. Okay. So that, because the canker worm, they basically, the adult, the adult moth, the female moth can't fly. So she walks up the trunk. Okay. And then so they put that, what's, what's put tangle foot with the wrapping with the plastic and the insulation. Mm-hmm. So they have to can't get over top of the plastic and they get stuck on the gooey Tanglefoot, and they can't climb up the top to mate and lay their eggs. And also, just make sure that you never take any kind of elm wood for fires that's, in the campgrounds. That's so important, Shaq. I'm glad you said that because you know people are doing a lot of camping again now, and so make sure that you use the firewood that's at the campground right. and pay it forward. Leave your firewood behind for mm-hmm. the next campground. Don't be hauling it with you for the next site. That's the way we we you know, now Dutch elm disease is the one, but a new one that's coming is called the emerald ash borer, and it burrows into those type of wood as well. And if we start hauling that wood around, you're going to spread that, and we'll lose every single. That's even worse almost right now than Dutch elm disease. Yeah. The ash in Ontario has killed 
millions of trees. Wow. And so don't yeah. call firewood. Yes. Good uh, good call on yes. that one. Uh, it's Garden Talk, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME, along with Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers. And uh, we'll be back with more of your questions after this. Welcome back to Garden Talk. Well, things have uh, cleared up in Saskatoon. I know we just got a text from uh, a listener down in Regina. It says it's broiling heat down in <laughs> Regina. Uh, we just got this big, big, big lightning storm and uh, blowing wind and yeah. tons of rain up in Saskatoon. But now it looks like it's clearing it's up. clearing up. Yep. Perfect. Looking good. Uh, welcome back to uh, Garden Talk with Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers. I'm Shaq, uh, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. And uh, we're going to do a kind of a text blitz right now. We've Absolutely. got a ton of text coming in. Yep. This morning. Uh, this is from Curtis. He says that uh, interested in a fast growing shade tree for a small yard in Brighton. Okay. So he wants it. He, want, he wants to stick that seed in the ground or that bulb yep. in the ground and yep. have it come Where up it right away. So if, if it's a smaller yard, you can use, there's a couple of trees you can use in there. One is called, the lady called earlier, it's called a, a spring snow flowering crab. I like that one because it's a medium sized tree. It's only about 20 feet tall. And what it'll do is it, it, it produces tons of white flowers in the spring, but it has no fruit. So it's perfect. It doesn't make a mess in your yard. That works good. Another one's called a Ming cherry. Nice, mm-hmm. nice oval cherry. Just tiny little cherries. You, the birds will get them. You won't even notice them. Yep. Uh, that one works well. Uh, ivory silk lilac. Not quite as fast growing, but not bad. It gets, you know, it grows not bad. It likes a drier area of your yard. Uh, that one's a tree. It's not a shrub. It's actually a tree. And another one that we've been selling a lot of is called a, a hot wings maple. Okay. And this one here, it's a maple tree, so it grows pretty quick. And but the seeds turned because all maples get seeds. That's the negative part. I call it. Some, but it's good for the tree, but negative right. for us. Right. But the seeds turn bright, bright red. And it looks like flowers in the tree. So ah. it actually, since you can have seeds anyways, you right. also may be ornamental, right? <laughs> You're going to be raking them up soon. <laughs> raking them up soon. But, uh, but, and they hold their seeds pretty much through the winter. Oh, time, that's so. good. And so, um, so that, those are the few trees I think that will work well in a small yard. If it's a bigger yard, then you could use some like a silver cloud maple or a linden where you have some bigger yards. Uh, one linden that you may be able to use if you uh, have a smaller yard is one that's called green spire linden mm-hmm. or a true north linden those a little bit better for they still get pretty big but can handle a smaller yard okay uh let's go to uh what do we have here uh oh linda in regina i have an apple tree that i purchased at dutch growers that has five different kinds of apples on it this year the branches are so heavy and this is something you and i talked about because i'd kind of like to know the same thing because i've got a big apple tree in my yard she says the branches are so heavy that they're starting to break should i be pruning out some of the apples yes thin thin them out Thin them out, or otherwise you're going to end up being like old grandma did. We'll put hockey sticks and ladders <laughs> and everything else underneath the branches, right? Yeah. And all these old nylons t- tying up the branches. But yeah, you can thin the apples out so there's not quite so much on there. And then if the tree gets bigger and gets really long branches, you may want to you know bring some of those side branches in a little bit so you don't get the fruit hanging like cantilevered way out there with all right. the weight, right? So you can just do some pruning as well. But her tree is not that old probably. So just by thinning the fruit uh, definitely will make it so you won't be breaking branches. Yeah, because we have a, an apple tree and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but uh, it is the apples are literally the size that you would buy in a, in a in grocery store. store. Yep. And um, and in order for us to get the apples that size, it, it almost you almost feel bad like you're wasting the apple. 
apples, yeah. but if you want apples that are the size of a marble, yep. keep them all on. Keep but if all. you want nice, they, big, juicy yeah, apples, you got you got to thin them up. Thin them out a little bit so that the energy goes to those ones. Right. Yeah. Now, what about um, like branches that are, because uh, I also noticed, like I tried it to prune my tree quite yep. a bit. The rule of thumb that I always heard was if a bird can fly through your apple tree, yep. you've got it about right. Exactly. You You want to be able to make it so that the light is penetrating the canopy. Now, one thing a lot of people will do is they will pull out what I call pollard or top their their apple trees because they don't they don't want to leave any apples for the birds. They want them all for themselves. Yeah, yeah. you can't handle it. You gotta you gotta have that extra apple pie, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's up there. Right. Yes. So there's two ways you can do it. Don't trim them down because if you start, if you ever trim your branches, you ever know where if you make a cut, there's two branches that come out. Mm-hmm. So you're just doubling up every time you're cutting. Oh, okay. So you're better off to leave some of those tall branches higher and get yourself one of those telescoping poles with a basket on them yep. so you can. Reach reach up there and get the <laughs> tall ones, uh, but to thin them out rather than pull out and cut the top off. Thin them up, just like what you're saying, so the birds can fly through them, right? Right, And then you let the light through. But when you cut the whole top off, you ever notice you get multiple more branches, great big leaves, and then the light doesn't come through and the birds, like you said, can't fly through it. Right. So thinning the tree, like you said, is is good to do, and you want to do that. I like doing that in, in October. Right first part of November, or otherwise I do it in March or the first week of April. And another way of thinning out um, the apple tree, too, is uh, we've done this quite a bit. Before the apples even get going, yep. we come around and kind of pinch off some of the blossoms. Some of the blossoms, yeah. yep. Just to, just to thin it out, especially if you get a huge crop like that, and then... Uh, and then just makes it so the plant doesn't break branches and you get bigger apples, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing, too, is, and this is um, about the apple trees. Uh, some years we have them. Yep. Some, like we'll have three, four, or five years in a row, we get a good crop. Yep. And then one year, nothing. They'll take a break. Nothing. They'll take a break. They do. So what you, what you can do to prevent that is that you, um, just in the, once in the spring, mm-hmm. give them a fruit and berry fertilizer. Okay. So then you're giving them all the, not, I'm not giving them a ton of nitrogen. I don't want to give them a ton of nitrogen, which is the first number in your fertilizer, right? But you, but the fruit and berry has a low nitrogen and a little bit more phosphorus, potassium, but it has a whole bunch of micronutrients. Okay. Like calcium, boron, magnesium, zinc. Those are all the kind of things that will make a, will make berries taste better and also make it so that they'll produce every year. Okay. Uh, back to the text line here. Uh, good morning. This is Alan from Saskatoon. I have red bugs attacking my lilies and yes. eating the leaves. How do yep. I get rid of these bugs? Yep. Pick, there again, it's the lily beetle. And uh, what you need to do is you look on the backside of the leaves and you'll see the clusters of orange eggs. And you just want to do is scrape those off and destroy them, put them into a bag or a little put a ice cream bucket underneath it and scrape them into that. Uh, or you can just pick that one leaf off if you want or cut it off where the bear, where the eggs are and, and destroy it. Don't put it in the compost. And otherwise, you can if you have the, the bugs themselves, which are orange colored, mm-hmm. is just spray them with a pyrethrin and or soap and water. That works as well. And uh, and then you need to do that about every 10 days. And watch because they're on the undersides of the leaves. You just don't want to, right now, the lilies are starting to bloom right now. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be spraying the flowers because whether you use soap or whether you use chemical or whatever, pyrethrin, which comes from the chrysanthemum on the pyrethrin. And um, so you don't want to spray them on the flowers because they'll make little brown spots on the flowers. Oh, and you don't want that to happen. Right. So just spray the leaves. Okay. How about this one? This is, um, how do I manage spider mites? In my raspberry patch. Yeah, spider mites in the raspberry patch. That That's a tough one because right now they're flowering and fruiting. And spider mites is, you can just, basically this time of the year, I would just use soap and water, okay? Or use a product called uh, Endo, uh, 
I'll just use insecticidal soap otherwise, okay? And uh, I don't even like using Endol because Endol has a little bit of pyrethrin in it. Mm -hmm. And if you will use the pyrethrin, you can only spray at nighttime. Okay, because okay. the spider mites aren't going away. So otherwise you can use a product called malathion, but I don't like using malathion when I'm going to be picking berries either. Yeah. But malathion works really good against spider mites. So just, I just want to bring the numbers down. So using the pyrethrin at, at, with this, with the uh, endol has canola oil and it has insecticidal soap and pyrethrin in it. And if you use it at nighttime, it basically coats those spiders and basically will just take care of them because they're very small. I'm working on trying to get a, 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 a another insect and another spider mite ah. that goes and eats the bad spider mites. It's a good spider mite. <laughs> so, so you have it's like the superhero. So it's a superhero. The... <laughs> so it, it it doesn't suck on the leaves. It just goes after the other spiders. Ah, and so that's okay. what I'm trying to find those ones and start bringing those in. Maybe the next year or so, I'm going to have those and bring them in, and that'll that'll help a lot. Perfect. Uh, it is uh, Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME, along with, of course, Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers. Back with the uh, final portion of the show and more of your questions. And back to the text line in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Garden Talk, 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Shaq, along with Rick Van Dyvendyke of Dutch Growers, uh, answering all of your questions today. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You can call in or you can text. And we're getting a ton of texts here today, Rick. Joanne from PA, she says, I have rust fungus on my hollyhocks. Yep. Uh, do I just take the affected areas and cut them off, or do I cut the whole plant down? You know, just infected areas. Uh, you can also spray copper spray, which will help. Also, what's important, Shaq, is that people remember, everybody likes with this heat, you know, to to think the watering at nighttime, right? Because then the, you don't get so much evaporation. But the problem with uh, doing, uh, especially when you get hot temperatures and the humidity at nighttime, is that that's when you're creating fungal. So try to only water when the sun is still out. Okay. Okay, so the leaves, the wet in the soil, and but the leaves will have time to dry out before sitting all the moisture all night long. Because you'll just spread that rust around like crazy. So, uh, But also use the copper spray, or called Bordeaux is another name for it, and that'll you treat it about every once every 10 days, and then you'll be able to help decide that. But you can just pick off those leaves as well. Okay. Really dumb, stupid question I have. Never a dumb question in gardening. Do plants sleep? Do plants sleep? Yeah, and I mean, that, and I've asked that because you say not to water at night. Yeah. Is there their cardiovascular system or whatever, well, does it slow down at night? It slows down because a lot of the energy is produced from the sun, right? right they right. collect that energy and put it in. But in some flowers, like you get osteospermums, Right, a flower which close up. Yeah, night, that's right? what I. That's what I mean. And so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, some some plants take a rest just like we do, <laughs> have a little nap. Okay, you know. Uh, Valerie from Saskatoon, she says I have pea plants uh, that have grown to about three feet tall and over the top of the trellis, but aren't flowering. Last year, I grew beans in the same spot, yep. and they grew tall and they didn't flower. Am I growing them in the wrong part of the garden box? Could be. Check your pH. Also, you got to remember you're growing legumes, right? So watch. You might want to add in some some. Uh, basically, it's a mycorrhizome. It's a bacteria which helps the 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 peas to to be able to uh, fix the nitrogen in the soil to be able to build 
to also produce the energy for, for doing that. So even things like um, the alfalfa pellet tea and that, that puts all kinds of bacteriums into the soil, which helps them mm-hmm. be able to be able to produce better too. But uh, but watch for that. It's probably the pH of the soil in that spot that, that you need to check. And you can do that with a home test kit. I was going to ask, is there yep. a place that you can take? We had yep. a, a text nope. in that said, uh, where do I take my soil to be tested? You can actually test it at home. Okay. You can test nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and pH, but you need to pick up some distilled water from a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. You can't use tap water to make your test. Okay. And so a lot of the different tests you can do right at home. Just pick up, uh, go to your favorite garden shop and just pick up a little test kit and away you go. Nice. All right, so let's go to, um, let's see, we have uh, Irene from Martinsville. She says, good morning. The potatoes that were planted from my last year's potato seeds, they sprouted. They aren't flowering yet. The plants look a little sad. <laughs> will they grow more or will there even be yeah, potatoes? There's lots of time yet. So um, don't be worried about that. But it could have been that, you know, lot, you got to remember the, re, the, the the potatoes you buy from from the, the your, your seed store that you get them from are all certified virus free and everything else. So sometimes you have potatoes you take from your own garden. Sometimes they might have a little virus or bacteria in them that just won't make them be as viable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, your best just to get new potatoes as a seed source and uh, because they've all been certified virus-free. So uh, getting back to the seed, like, is there particular seed potatoes that are better than others? Like if you, like, you, you yeah. know, she's talking about using her own and there could be viruses or whatever, yeah. but is there actual seed potatoes that are better than using your own? Yeah, there is some, and there's new varieties coming out and they're working on one that's more resistant to that potato beetle as well, right? Oh, nice. So that, that'll be in a bunch of years becoming more vi- around, and but there also is varieties that, that are more resistant to late blight, which basically will destroy your whole potato crop. It'll turn brown and then black and go through your patch like a fire and how affects tomatoes as well. So there are varieties out there that will be less susceptible to those things. So the industry is always trying to improve just like anything else, yeah. right? And so watch for the new ones. I mean, and then you can always try different things like there's purple potatoes and there's all kinds of gourmet potatoes oh, out I there now. I love those, yeah. And so there's lots of different potatoes out there now and that's because the the consumers wanting different things and then just the Norland potato or the Viking potato, they yeah. want something different. And so the industry is stepping up and actually creating a lot of these new varieties and a lot of them are coming out because they're more resistant to these other diseases. And I'm really excited about if that one comes out that they're working on that resists the potato beetle, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Uh, another kind of a silly question, but I, 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 do, I need to know, we always plant purple Beans, string beans. Oh yeah, okay, yep, yep. And they're beautiful. They yep. look great on the vine, yep. and you're thinking, "Boy, these are going to look so nice when I cook them up." They turn green they again. Turn green again. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? The pigment just the, the heat. Is it the heat? Yeah, it's it's the heat, and that, and so it's just the way they are. I mean, there's lots of vegetables that will turn look turn red when you when you when you cook them up right. or different. So it's just yeah. the way the, the 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 pigment and the pigments in the, in the flesh itself and the in the potato or or in the fruit uh, change with. Um, you know, why does lobster turn red when you boil it, right? True, true. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just have to eat them raw <laughs> in a salad or something. Well, you get more, a lot of benefits that way, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, back to the text line. I have petunias. This is from Janice. I have petunias that are really tall. Should I cut them back? Petunias, you can pinch them back. Absolutely. He'll get them to bush out a lot more. You, uh, 
don't be don't be afraid to petunia. You get some petunias that will grow way out to one side of the pot. Just trim it off so they, you know, they balance out the pot. And uh, sometimes when you get a big heat and you say, "Oops, I missed this time when I watered it," and they're kind of looking sad, just give them a haircut. Yeah, and then give them some fertilizer and some consistent watering, and you watch. It doesn't take long with this kind of temperatures for it to fill right out and look beautiful. Again. It's just incredible how things are growing yep. this year. My vines, I've got uh, um, ivies uh, or uh, what do you call them? Virginia creepers. Virginia creepers. And my <laughs> entire yard, like we, out of about four or five plants, yep. it looks like some old English cat. <laughs> Castle. Castle. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. They're, they're beautiful. Yeah. And they turn nice and red in the fall, too. So it's a great plant. All right. I think we have time for uh, one more text here. Let's go to uh, Sally in Rostern. She says, oh, and this is kind of uh, my uh, expertise. Well, I shouldn't say expertise, but I like to do this. Is what kind of apples is best for making juice? For making juice, yeah. if you want juices to go with the crabs, like a doggo crab, mm-hmm. very sour tasting. We as kids, we used to use throw have apple throwing yeah. fights, you know, with them. <laughs> kids, you don't but, want to do that right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do this at home. Don't but, put them in a slingshot. But, oh, did but, I just say that? Okay. <laughs> but doggo crabs, you get a zillion crabs, lots of flowers, and a zillion yeah. crabs, but they're just for jams or jellies. If you try to eat them, they're going to pucker up your face. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> but otherwise, there's ones like that one. Also, there's uh, for jams and that uh, you can also. Have one's uh, prairie sensation. If you ever go out to Petrovka Bridge, yes, uh, so that, they that have orchard. The, the orchard there. Most of those ones are prairie sensation apples, and they make a good vinegar vinegars with them, and mm-hmm. and all kinds of fruits and that kind of stuff. So there are varieties out there that are more a little more bitter tasting. Good Goodland apples, a great one for that. I can eat it right off the tree, but also great for making pies and yeah. jams and that kind of stuff. Well, the the apples that I, I was mentioning that we have in our front yard, the great big ones. I mean, once we've had our fill of yep. eating them, we make. Uh, cider, apple oh, cider. Perfect. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, as long as there seems to be a sweet spot for those kind of apples, though. Right. If you don't get them when they're crisp and juicy, yep. they turn mealy and dry. dry yep. So you ha- really have to kind of watch. Especially if you got Norland or Westland or Parkland, right, those yeah. varieties there, you got to pick them right at their prime. Otherwise, they're yeah. mushy. Uh, yeah. and, 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 that, and that mushiness can happen overnight. Oh, really quick. <laughs> yeah. Like the old higher number 12. Everybody remembers old grandma's higher number 12. They used yeah. to make applesauce with. But yeah, you pick them too late and they just mush in your hand yeah. almost. Well, that's it for today. Thank you very much, Rick Van Dyvendyke. Thank from, you, Shaq, uh, for d- coming and joining well, us hey, today. Well, hey, this was awesome. I've learned a lot, and uh, I know now that I'm not going to take my wife out for a, a slug date. <laughs> 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 this is... <laughs> well, join us next uh, Sunday at uh, 9 o'clock on CJME. It's 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. This has been Garden Talk. Have a great day, everybody.